This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is your 40k podcast that focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and today's episode is going to be a special one. It's one that a lot of people have been requesting online in one form or another, whether it's been emailing or messaging me personally, asking questions via our Patreon, uh, on the competitive 40k page on Reddit, it's everywhere, and that is... How do you build and tailor a list for this new Space Marine-dominated meta? So we have Salamanders and Imperial Fists. They are here. The FAQs are not live yet, though I imagine other than a few Salamanders stratagems that definitely need to get relooked at, uh, we're probably still going to see both of those codexes in their entirety. Uh, I don't foresee any major changes. Just like I said, the Salamander, we already we all know exactly what stratagem I'm talking about in particular with the strateg- with the Salamander stratagems. So we have a we have a meta. We it's here. Um, we're probably not going to get a clearer picture until maybe the large tournament in Atlanta coming up a little bit later this year, um, and then at the LVO. So uh, chapter approved is coming. Um, I don't foresee chapter approved shaking up the meta as much as the Space Marines did. Uh, and even then, even if it did shake up the meta, I don't think it'll impact the meta as much as the Space Marines did as well. So let's we'll start designing lists, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So with me, I brought. Three amazing list designers and great players. Uh, Mr. Brandon Grant, Good fresh, to be off here. A f- fresh off a 5 a.m. recording time, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Get a little announcement there. Uh, Mr. Scari. Hello. Archon Scari, ready to give you Dark Eldar players the word on what's good. And then finally, Mr. Abuse Puppy. That's this guy. It's that guy. All right, before we move on, some quick announcements. First and foremost, if you'd like to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon. Uh, today, we're going to be releasing uh, some uh, a special episode. Last week, I didn't have an episode of Chapter Tactics. I do apologize for that. Uh, however, I, I'm this week, I'm making up for it for a double dosage of Chapter Tactics. Uh, I recorded a special episode with Brandon, Val Heffelfinger, myself, and Mr. Steven Box. It's an episode on how being or how physical fitness and, and wellness... Uh, translates into being competitive and giving you a competitive edge at 40k. There's a lot of really good tips in there. Uh, it's not just like you have to it, you have to work out every day. It, it's not just that. It's basic, good, logical tips that you can do immediately at your next 40k tournament to increase your performance. And then, of course, if that translates to a better lifestyle, a healthier lifestyle, 
that's a bonus. It's definitely information I needed. I'm not exactly the most physically fit guy in the world. Um, but if you've ever met Brandon Grant or Steven Box, uh, you'll know that they are both physically fit, solid, amazing, competitive 40k players uh, or 40k competitors. Um, so it's a really good episode. Uh, I'm going to basically tie that in with a sub chapter tactics episode um, where that'll be the main topic and then we'll have like an intro just like this one. So look for that later on in the week. But if you're subscribed to our Patreon, you actually get access to that a little bit earlier. Um, and then a pro tip. I don't usually always schedule those episodes. I don't have a set date for those. It depends on the Frontline Gaming Network and, and you know how much time I have and when I have it. So it could very well be at the end of the week. So if you're looking for a little extra chapter tactics, you can subscribe this month and then check that out. And of course, we're going to be doing that uh, more often. So we're going to be putting more episodes earlier on the Patreon for everyone to listen to featuring guests from all over the world. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, also, this front this episode is brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network, Frontline Gaming, and of course, the secondhand shop that I run. Um, get on over to FrontlineGaming.org to buy some stuff and support it because Reese told me to tell you that. I think I got it. Reese, salesman, level leveled up. All right. Um, and like I said, another announcement. Um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to a special tournament that's happened this weekend. Uh, I, we're not going to be talking about it much because there's still a lot of scores to be translated uh, it, and coming in, but 40k Stat Center will definitely be the place to be for coverage of that event, and that is the uh, event that happened in Spain, and um, uh, my Facebook reloaded, so I don't have the name of the event. However, it was uh, put on by, if you listened to Signal, that special Signals from the Frontline episode uh, where Reese talked about it. It was the large team tournament in Spain. It was 96-person teams or something like that. It was something ridiculous like that. 450-plus players held in Spain. It was amazing. Like, holy crap. Like, it was such a large event. Uh, La Voz de Horse, which is the Spanish podcast that really hyped it up um, and talked about it. I don't know if they ran the event, uh, but whoever ran the event did a great job from what we're seeing and from the people who played at the event. It, it was a blast. So, uh, congratulations to uh, Atres Mas ITC, which was the winning team for the event. Uh, and then, as soon as I find that, I will I will absolutely get the name of that event. It, but that, that's crazy. A 450 person team tournament. It would use ITC format. Um, it's just it's exciting. Hopefully, hopefully we get some good lists out of that. Uh, those lists will translate well to lists that uh, compete at the LVO. Obviously, it's a team tournament with the normal restrictions for for army list building. Um, so, you know, one single faction per team, etc., etc. So they're not going to translate perfectly. Um, but in this meta of uh, where people are more kind of shifting towards pure lists or uh, less soupy lists, um, it might translate well. So we'll see. Um, but there's definitely going to be some solid lists there and, and we get to see what good units people are bringing. All right, so look forward to that. Okay, Sean and Brandon, looks like we lost Skari. He's reconnecting back in. Is there anything you two want to announce before we move on? No, I don't think no, so. No, I'm ready to jump in. Okay, so one of the one of the big questions I have had, uh, you know, just I've seen it online. It's how do I how do I change my Drukari list to beat Space Marines? How do I change my Guard list to beat Space Marines? And another thing, I actually saw online that was very interesting was in regards to you brandon and your list at the socal open so i'm not going to say that you did poorly you're 17 and 1 at the socal open period 
and you went five and one, but your first loss was round one to a Space Marine player. Uh, and I don't want to say like an uh, like an uh, you know an oddball list. Like it was definitely there were a lot of the same elements in all the Space Marine lists that shared with the list that be with Ruben Fernandez. And Ruben's also a really good player too. Um, he's been tearing up the scene this year, uh, and he comes from a a really really good team of really amazing players. Uh, but you did lose the Space Marines, and I did read online uh, a statement that someone made that I don't think it was true, but it got me thinking. And that was, did did you, Brandon Grant, did you maybe not account for Space Marines too much? Or maybe did your list just not account enough for Space Marines? So I want to, I, I kind of want to lead off with that question. Um, so real quick, just tell everyone briefly what your list is, um, and then what you kind of changed about it for Space Marines. And then is that statement even true or not? Okay, so first of all, to back up, that statement's not true. Um, my list was very thoroughly optimized to deal with a marine meta without giving up so much that if I faced a horde list that I would auto-lose. Because um, space marines and hordes have different ways of dealing with you, so oftentimes a horde list will surround your units and prevent you from shooting them, and then delete your units in your assault phase so that they can continue tying you up. So you need some sort of counter to that, uh, which is why I kept 70 Catachans in my list. Um, but against Marines, they don't really tie you up in the same way. I mean, they have the captain of you can't run away on a 4+, plus, but it's a lot easier to deal with him than it is with a 30-man unit that comes from Deep Strike Reserve and ties up your entire front line, in my opinion, anyway. But moving on, the list I brought was a triple battalion. The first battalion had Strachan and a Primaris Psyker in it, and 40 Catachans, two of which had Flamers, uh, and two Chimeras with Multilaser Heavy Bolter. I also had another battalion with two company commanders, one of which was the Warlord, three more infantry squads of Catachans, nine Bulgrins, a Priest, and an Astropath. And then I made that the Vigilist formation for the artillery and brought two Basilisks. Uh, and then my third battalion was a Talarn Emperor's Fist, which is the tank uh, battalion from Vigilus, with two Layman Rust tank commanders with battle cannons, uh, one of which had a Laz cannon, one of which has a heavy bolter, both with plasma cannon sponsons, and a demolisher cannon tank commander with heavy bolter plasma, and three infantry squads of Talarn, and a platoon commander. So that comes out to 2,000 exactly. Um, there's a lot of subtle things in the list. So first of all, stealthy marines are a pain in the ass for shooting armies. And I expected stealthy marines, and sure enough, I played stealthy marines round one. Um, with uh, not, not exactly stealthy marines, but pretty much everything was in cover the whole game. Um... No, they were stealthy marines. He was a White Scar su- successor chap- chapter, and then he had... No, no, no. I'm getting confused. He was an Iron Hands successor chapter, and all the Iron Hands were stealthy artisans. Um, I know, the list was confusing because it was a mix of Iron Hands and White Scars, but regardless, <laughs> stealthy two-up armor marines are super painful to deal with. Um, same with marines like Eliminators and Cover... Um, Thunderfire cannons and cover. So being able to get through two-up armor saves and cover is actually really important against Marines. So there were actually three different ways my list could ignore cover. First, the Astropath can 
point at a unit he can see and give a six inch aura around himself to ignore cover against that target if it's 18 inches away from him. Uh, second, the Vigilus formation for artillery. I can take a relic that allows one of the basilisks to ignore cover. That's the basilisk I'm going to spend four command points to double shoot the main gun and reroll the hit. Uh, and finally, the Catachans with flamers can issue the burn them out order, and any unit hit by their flamethrowers loses the benefit of cover for the rest of the shooting phase. So hmm. the list was heavily tailored to deal with Marines and cover. Um, on top of that, 70 Catachans plus Strachan and a Priest is no joke to deal with, even for Marines with 3-up armor. Um, and the tank commanders are all tolerant because as long as there's any line of sight blocking terrain whatsoever, the tank commanders can move, shoot, move, and avoid the worst of incoming fire from Marines. Because the problem with Marines is you either have a repulsor with the Ironstone, which is immune to damage and can be repaired, or you have the character Dreadnought, um, who you can't shoot. Um, so having a way to return fire without losing the tank commanders instantly was important. Um, and then you can outflank them if the terrain doesn't cooperate. So that's why one tank can be a demolisher is worst case, I outflank it. I spend a command point so that when it arrives, it shoots the turret twice anyway. Um, and then I can blow smoke after shooting it and use the Primaris Psyker to cast minus one hit on it. And that worked reasonably well. You have a minus two to hit Demolisher sitting there that has to be dealt with. Um, so the list actually performed really well. And I'm still thinking of how to tweak it. But that list was very well optimized to handle the current Marine meta because it had the tools I needed to deal with Marines. Now, all that said, Marines are still way more efficient than everyone else. So in a head-on fight, they're very difficult to push back efficiently. Um, and the terrain does have to cooperate somewhat, because if you don't have anywhere to hide, they will just shoot you off the board. Um, and my loss against Ruben, we can talk about later, but that answers your question anyway. Perfect. Beautiful. Um, I think that's a lot of a lot of what people asked for. Um, now, Sean... J I, I know I know that you're taking a, a little bit of a break from 40k tournaments. However, if you were to jump into this meta um, with with Eldar or Tau, um, first off, which army would you pick? Uh, and second off, uh, what how would you go about building like a basic core list to deal with Space Marines? Um, I've been toying around with different lists, um, both Eldar and Tau. Um, I think. Tau have a lot of good options for killing marines, because one thing Tau are actually very good at is killing infantry in cover. Um, they have lots of ways to just completely bypass cover, and most everything they're going to put into a, an army is going to have at least minus one AP. Uh, and a fair number of them will have multiple damage. Those are all things that marines don't really like seeing. Um, so in that respect, Tau are pretty well set up. Their problem is, um, if they don't get to play their game because of not getting any Overwatch, because of being tied up in combat, uh, but because they're just getting charged before they can do anything, uh, then they're going to struggle because they really only have one game plan and that game plan is shoot at things until they die. Um, so anytime you're not allowed to enact that game plan, it's going to be a problem. 
Um, and similarly, if you have a squad of Centurions sitting in a magic box, you're not going to get them out. It doesn't matter how many smart missile systems you brought. Uh, it's just, it's not going to be enough to chew through all of those two-up armor wounds. Um, so, Tau's struggle is mostly a kind of, like, game plan struggles. Like, am I able to enact my game plan during this game? And there will be some games where you just don't get to. Uh, if you're playing on, like, a heavy ruin map, and it's just like, well, I guess I don't get to do anything because they're always going to be charging me from out of cover. Um, but there's not a lot you can do about that. That's sort of part of the risk of playing Tau, is that there are some terrain setups that will just completely screw you. But there are also some terrain setups that make your games comically easy because there are no line of sight blocking pieces on the table and you just sort of shoot at them and they die um eldar have a very different struggle because the eldar list we've been seeing over the past like six months to a year have all kind of fit into the same sort of mold um and i'm not sure that mold works anymore um they do have a lot of good stuff that can kill marines, especially with the, the options from Psychic Awakening, but the problem is building a coherent list out of that. It's like you have a bunch of good tools, but putting them together in a way that is synergistic is a little more difficult, and I'm not sure I've necessarily found a solution. Um, but they do have things like support weapon platforms that can shoot out of line of sight and have very good stats. Um, they have the, the night spinner tank, which can also shoot out of line of sight and has multiple damage. Um, they have some fast moving melee units. Uh, they're not completely without options, but, um, they definitely are kind of like struggling to put together, an army as opposed to just a bunch of good units sitting next to each other. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when looking at a lot of... When I've been talking to people and when I've myself been looking at good Eldar lists, I, I do see just a lot of, like, smattering of really good solid units combined mm -hmm. with, with other really good solid units, maybe from mm -hmm. other codexes even. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot of, like, maybe I'll take 18 Harlequin Skyweaver bikes and maybe I'll take... Or whatever, the Starweavers, Skyweavers, right? Skyweavers. Uh, yes. Uh, maybe I'll take 18 of those and some flyers and, and, you know, call it a day. Or maybe I'll take fire prisms and and uh, this and that. It, it it does very much feel like, like you said, like people are putting just taking the best units together and not necessarily building a coherent list. I'm super interested interested to see how Sean Naden views this meta uh, because it does feel like uh, the kind of meta he would thrive in. Um, there's elites, so there's less, there's less uh, dice being thrown at you, so less chance for extreme variants hurting you. Um, be well, I guess the opposite, the extreme variants hurting your opponent because of the elite armies. Um, it just feels like something, like the kind of like environment he would thrive in. So I'm super interested to see what kind of list he comes up with. He might even just come up with Space Marines because they're punchy now, and I know he likes the combat phase. I don't think so. I think Sean will probably come up with some weird Eldar, Dark Eldar mixed list that just throws us off the wall. Um, or he might be concocting something else. I don't know. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's... Eldar are definitely in an awkward spot right now. Uh, I I think that Eldar Flyers is still really good, um, and possibly, maybe, game or tournament winning, depending on the terrain setup at the event. Um, but it's not the, like, 
the clear best choice for Eldar anymore. No. Yeah, it's it's a struggle because it's very, very good against some lists, mm-hmm. and then there's other lists that it just has nothing against. Yeah, and unfortunately, which I think this is a big trend now, is um, if it goes second against the wrong Space Marine list, you will just absolutely get rolled. Um, yeah. And that's actually true for a lot of lists, that, that we, maybe even lists that we're going to talk about. It's um, Space Marines right now, a lot of the Space Marine on Space Marine matchups are, did you go first? Uh, you did, cool. Your Eliminators will kill their Eliminators. Your Thunderfire Cannons will kill something. Uh, you'll you'll get their Centurions half-moved if they started on the board, or you'll get the first Beta Strike if you go first. Like, it's just, it really does feel like who goes first in that matchup wins. Um, uh, which is, you know, a shame, but it's something that, that you should keep in mind when building your list. Is, uh, can your list deal with going second against Space Marines? If it doesn't, you should really think about maybe changing your list up. All right, Skari, uh, I noticed that the warp deposited you back in. Archon Skari, are you alive? I arrived precisely when I meant to. Perfect. Deepstruck back in here just in time to give Dark Eldar players oh. the what for, the how to build those Dark Eldar lists in this new One meta. Aside, sure, go ahead, Brandon. When we're talking about Eliminators, the two Chimeras are in my list because it allows me to literally start no characters on the board because Eliminators are overpowered. They're, yeah. they're really strong. They, they were good. I was going to say, there's there's a handful of things that you're going to see in basically every Space Marine list and that you need to be ready to deal with if you're fighting them. Um, eliminators are on there. They yeah, well, are just going to show up and blast your characters out of existence or control where you're allowed to put them on the board, and that's hugely important. So yeah. you need to be able to dig these multi-wound, one-up armor save guys out of cover. Yeah, so we'll talk about common Space Marine units, because there there definitely is a theme uh, across all the Space Marine lists, um, but let's get Skari's take on Jukari first, or how he'll build a Dark Eldar list going into this meta, and then let's talk about, you know, the fundamentals of, of what to build for and what to what to be. So, um, the, the new meta, of course, has become a lot more aggressive, I find. Um, you know, definitely, as you said, going second against the wrong Space Marine list will more than likely see you having very few units after the first shooting phase. So you sort of have to have a combination of units that can do a lot of damage, but also units that can sort of survive that onslaught. And I've been having a lot of success at the moment with some of the new obsessions from uh, the Psychic Awakening um, book. Mm -hmm. Uh, namely the the coven and the witch cults. Um, they get some really good ones. They do indeed. Um, so uh, dark technomancers is what is my favorite so far. That allows uh, coven units to essentially overcharge their ranged weapons like a plasma gun almost, giving them plus one damage and plus one to wound, which becomes quite handy when facing like anything that's high toughness because all of a sudden you're wounding anything on a four plus pretty much with a disintegrator cannon that then goes to three damage so i found myself using units that i haven't used in a very long time like raiders for example um (laughs) because now all of a sudden their disintegrated cannons are plus one to wound and three damage and they've been tearing things apart it's been it's been quite 
nice to see <laughs> the humble raider be feared um, when I play games right now. And uh, another thing I've been really uh, enjoying is using is using um, Drazar um, as a very cool sort of counter assault unit. You know, the other day, yesterday actually, he went into a unit of um, Admech Dragoons and wiped them all out in a single round of close combat, which was, I rolled a lot of sixes for damage, but just the ability to do that in close combat for Dark Eldar with not Talos or Grotesques was awesome. So yeah, that is really cool that you can have a character who can wade into vehicles. Yeah, yeah it's oh, it's yeah. really <laughs> neat. He can go up, and he's dangerous for knights. He's dangerous for you know uh, repulsors. He's dangerous for centurions because he does four damage if he rolls a six to wound. Like all of a sudden, uh, he's he he has he's got like this wild card aspect to him, which is perfect for a Drukari general because that's kind of like us living on the edge, and we love living on the edge. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, n- now, I-, I did hear somewhere that, that Grotesques are pretty good at dealing with Space Marines. I, I don't know. I'm, I have mm. no familiarity with that matchup at all. Is there any viability to that whatsoever? Well, and would you ever consider splashing into Inari? Uh, grotesques are very powerful regardless of the matchup. They're very durable. They're tough. They can kill you know vehicles and, and infantry almost at the same rate. Um, with some stratagems and whatnot support. However, you if you do take them, I highly recommend you continue to take them as Prophets of Flesh. I don't think there's any other way that you should be taking your Grotesques, to be honest, um, for that 4-plus invulnerable save. However, with uh, Talos, I've really been enjoying the Dark Technomancers as well. That plus 1 to wound and 2 damage on Haywire has made the D3 mortal wounds on 5-pluses for them very cool against nice. vehicles yeah Sweet. do you rate the uh the witch cult air wing of the three razor wing jet fighters with the plus one to wound against vehicles and monsters at all i have been running my planes i have been running my planes with the test of skill which is the witch cult yeah um, however i haven't been running um razor wing jet fighters i've been running two void raven bombers with hmm. lances which means that they can go up to repulses and or knights and wound them on two pluses with their strength nine lances. And mm-hmm. that has proven to be very effective at killing heavy armor. Hmm. Right on. All right, so let's talk about these space screen lists now. Now, when we're looking through the SoCal Open, and we saw this trend even beginning even from when Ultramarines first came out when the space screen codex dropped, um, we're seeing people take the same units over and over. Uh, and we're definitely seeing trends here. The first and foremost is Thunderfire Cannons are back. They've been sold out on GW forever. Uh, they might still even be sold out. They, they've been selling for almost $100 a model, new in box, on crazy. eBay. Yeah, it's nuts. And it's the same thing with Centurions, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, so Thunderfire Cannons are definitely back in force. Um, they're so good. They're hit, they got so many buffs, unneeded buffs, out of that Space Marine Codex. They're hitting on twos. Their strength five AP two first turn. They have a, a bajillion inch range, uh, and they can have the movement of two units at once. It, it's it's just crazy. Also, they can shoot twice too. They can just shoot twice. So if you have three thunderfire cannons, you can shoot four times at something. So that's you know sixteen d or sixteen d three strength five AP two shots hitting on twos. That that's that's nuts. That's crazy. 
So Thunderfire Cannons are back. You definitely want to be able to... Uh, I don't I don't want to deal with them because they can be kind of hard to deal with. Although if you do have long-range shooting and um, you're, there's not a lot of places to hide them, uh, you can be easy to snipe them out. The Thunderfire Cannon anyways, not the character so much. Um, I, and I just know this from having run them in 8th edition for the past, like, since 8th edition dropped, I've been running Thunderfire Cannons. Um, I've loved them. I've been running, like, similar things as well. Uh, so they can, they're definitely easy to kill. You just have to have the right tools. They're also good at killing each other, which I know doesn't help non-Space Marine players. But if you play Space Marines, that is also an option. They're not the best at killing each other, but... Unless you're a 9, uh, an Imperial Fist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, then they're really good at killing each other. If you're an Imperial Fist. But anyways, I digress. Uh, eliminators, definitely seeing a lot of those. Uh, eliminators are, are great. They stick in a building and just put out a consistent, solid rate of fire. Uh, they're super accurate. In a pinch, they can take out vehicles, depending on what... Uh, either they're Raven, if they're Raven Guard, for example. They're, they can take out vehicles. They're good screen units. They've almost made Infiltrators obsolete. We, we didn't see very many Infiltrators at the SoCal Open, and I imagine that's because of all the Instigator Bolt Carbine Sergeants on Eliminator Squads, which allows them to shoot after they fire Overwatch. I'm sorry, which allows them to move after they fire Overwatch, effectively giving you, you know, a... a just an extra six inches on your on your opponent's charge, which is which is a big deal and could potentially even get you out of charge range. My so, my brother uh, he went to a tournament recently, uh, running his ultramarines for the very first time in I want to say a year year and a half, and he ran a unit of those eliminators with the Phobos captain, allowing them to move after they shoot. Yep, and yep. so he was using them as little like jump, you know, get out shoot get back in behind cover and that that one unit of eliminators was doing work for him all so weekend. good yeah so good yeah yeah they're just and people are taking them in squad in threes or three three by three yeah. so nine models total that's like the default uh centurion assault centurions are back in the heaviest of ways they are they're so powerful you're seeing them in groups of 10 a single big block of six uh they have an extra wound now so they're four wounds now uh yeah, four wounds instead of three wounds. Uh, and then they have the two-up saves still. Uh, and then the extra attack, which doesn't really help a whole lot. But the point is is that they, they're they super, super strong. Uh, they still have the the normal Centurion durability with Hurricane Bolters. So they can put out a lot of shots. They definitely clear hordes and bubble wraps by themselves. Uh, and White Scars and Raven Guard can put them into really advantageous positions. Um, and on the flip side, your Devastator Centurions, Grav Cannon Devastator Centurions are still not terrible. They have the ability to reroll wounds. Um, so in a pinch, they can do really well in a Devastator Doctrine. And more importantly, Heavy Bolter Centurions. Uh, although haven't been seen a lot in Imperial Fistless at lately, I imagine will be taken more. Um, they're really, really powerful. Uh, they're just... Centurions are really good. Uh, and I think those are like the absolute biggest threats. You still have the strong characters that that can kind of weave in and out and give all the buffs when they need to uh chaplains are will will count in there as well so you still have to deal with a character coming into your line and picking off a key tank or key unit or key character or picking off the final wounds off a vehicle or whatever whatever they need to do space marines is still really good at that uh and then repulsors are still around and we haven't seen a lot of them but space marine flyers especially specifically iron hand flyers um are pretty good too so basically space marine vehicles with the fly keyword are still not bad in the amount of DACA they put out. So that's pretty much it. Did I miss any? Did I miss anything that we see a lot of? In summary, Space Marines are pretty good, whatever they bring. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Kind that is of. True. Agreed. 
I think the one thing you missed is character dreadnoughts and dreadnoughts oh, yeah. that can have incoming damage. Yes. Oh, and drop pods. Drop pods coming in on turn one with iron hands that ignore the move and fire heavy weapon penalty. Nyx, mm -hmm. Grav, uh, Devastator Squad coming in from Deep Strike, double shooting with the Signum, one of the Grav Cannons, and then shooting the other three near a character, or near all the characters. They they they, they would just come in and delete face turn one. And especially yes. if you have yeah. pointy Dawn of War deployment, you can't screen it. So literally, he takes the unit out of your army that you like the best and removes it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and to the point about the character dreadnoughts, that is something we saw actually pretty commonly, which was you Iron Hands take one character dreadnought, uh, give him the double twin last cannon, so he's got four last cannon shots, or whatever, but usually it's that. Uh, and then the character just sits in their backfield and just starts firing away its four gigantic sniper rifles. Yes, the one I saw had... Hitting on twos with two rerolls to hit, two rerolls to wound, and a wound to the uh, reroll to the damage die with AP four so and yeah. the character keyword. And yeah. th there's pretty commonly a chaplain dreadnought as well, who is also a character and also carries a twin las cannon. Yeah, Sometimes. those character yeah. those character dreadnoughts uh, are amazing. Yes, uh, so they're really really good. Uh, and then depending on each each space marine kind of uh, supplement has their their like extra unit that the players like taking like for example ultramarines do really well with aggressors uh and then ditto with salamanders but with flamer aggressors um so you'll definitely take that and then we haven't even seen what impulsors can do um they haven't fully been unleashed onto the meta but keep an eye out for that they're in the space marine vehicles with the fly keyword category that i mentioned earlier but i just want to give an extra shout out to impulsors they are dirt cheap they can put up a lot of firepower. They can put out a lot of durability and screening. Uh, they're just they're a unit that a lot of people have been excited for for a long time, and thus people have been brewing lists for them. So keep an eye out for impulsors. And if you can build the kind of army that can kill impulsors and mass, you can do well against space marines in general, uh, provided that you can screen yourself, uh, because yeah. that's what you're going to have to deal with. the The impulsor is essentially a wave serpent with a forty point discount. So they're going to be really good. Yeah, especially some Imperial Fist stuff where they can, you know, orbital bombardment you three times in one turn. That's going to be it's going to be pretty pretty hefty, stopping people from hiding in a corner and huddling to to try and save themselves from the firepower. Yeah. So now let's talk about let's talk about some ways to deal with this. We we I I feel like we've identified at least 80% of what we're going to see in Space Marine lists, uh, you know, with the exception of, of extra tweaks and stuff like that. Um, so how do you beat all this? Because this, this is, it, everything we mentioned is very durable, has a lot of firepower, uh, and it, it can take advantage of multiple really powerful stratagems, warlord traits, and rules. So how do you beat all that? Uh, the first and fourth thing that I've noticed is that none of nothing that we've mentioned and nothing Space Marines bring to bear uh, is actually hoardy. Like they don't, they do do a great job of covering the board. Uh, so if you're an army that likes having multiple options on the board, or if you don't like armies that take control of the board, uh, chaos in particular don't like having or don't like having the board taken away from them. Um, you you will absolutely thrive in this meta. Uh, this is the kind of meta where knights and space marines dominate, 
and uh, generally people are moving away from ports. So if you're an army that likes to spread out, maybe spread out space marines, giving them multiple options and targets to choose from, multiple angles of attack, uh, you can do well against space marines still, uh, though it does depend on the space marine list and player. Uh, so that's just kind of like my general advice that I noticed right away. Uh, do you three have any any little cool tech or anything you want to add to that um, before we talk about specifically countering certain units? Um, one thing that I just want to like come back on again because we talked about the Thunderfire Cannon earlier and how it can have your movement. Be really careful if you're relying on a movement based strategy like spreading out to cover the whole board against Space Marines because they might just not let you do that. And most armies don't have a good way around that. So if your plan involves, well, turn one, I'll advance forward 14 inches, and then it's all going to work super well, you you might want to be careful, because if they go first and thunderfire you, that might be your whole plan down the drain. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I'll add is... Um... It's very difficult to go second against Space Marines without the right terrain and still win. And in yeah. fact, in some matchups, it's hard to go second at all. Uh, so if you're facing a Alpha Strike Raven Guard list, going second on uh, points you don't award appointment is a death sentence. So the only tech that I'll add is I think that reserves are going to get better and extremely resilient units are going to get better so that you can go second and still stand a chance. Yeah some kind of screening is even more required now than it has been at other points in the past. If you don't have a way to stave off an early assault from Raven Guard or White Scars, then you will just lose. Now, you if you have if you build the right list, and, and I, I don't know if every faction can do this, but I imagine that most factions and most army lists can do this. Uh, it is actually easier to fend off the Raven Guard Alpha than it is the White Scars beta charge. Uh, the Raven Guard Alpha can get in your face and can move um, up and charge and kill everything. However, Assault Centurions are still limited by a 12-inch range. And even in Pointy Donivore, uh, you can still give a big enough buffer to so that they can't get anything worth getting at. Um, and they are slow. So if you have a fast-moving army and you reserve most of your army, most of the key parts of your army, and then keep back like, I don't know, like a knight or something, or some important vehicles, maybe eight inches behind a good core troop choice, maybe preferably one that doesn't die to heavy bolters um, or bubble wrap, uh, you do have a chance of stop staving off the Raven Guard Alpha Strike. Because other than that, they won't have a lot more to shoot you off the board. Um, so I actually think vehicle screens are a great choice. Uh, it assault it really forces assault insurance to go into them, um, the vehicle screens, and then if you have things like cheap vehicles like rhinos or chimeras or or whatever, uh, you can you can just back off and then and then kill those centurions. Hopefully, if you, that's what you have in mind. Um, so it, it having said that, the reason why I said that is it's easier to devote. You can devote a smaller amount of points to your list to stopping Raven Guard and to an extent White Scars, and then focus the rest of your list to surviving Iron Hands and Imperial Fist matchups and, and winning those games. Uh, so that might be an angle. That's an angle of attack that I've been considering personally, is uh, to devote as little as possible to at least stemming the tide of Raven Guard and White Scars, charge Alpha and Beta Strikes, and then focusing on winning uh, a shooting match against Iron Hands and Imperial Fist, which I, I know isn't easy. But it's just something that I've considered. Yeah, it makes sense. 
All right. Uh, so, uh, Skari, um, what are what are some other things? Maybe not in, in factions that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, what are some other units and things that that you think people haven't seen uh, or that they should start using? Uh, just kind of oddball little things that maybe people can have their own that are actually secretly good against Space Marines. I think any anything that can hide out of line of sight is going to be very, very important. Yes, Thunderfire cannons are going to kill stuff that hides out of line of sight, but you're just going to have to have resilient units that can hide out of line of sight or that can shoot out of line of sight. So I could see things like um, Eldar, um, uh, Eldar, uh, the... The, the cannons, the, the artillery pieces that can hide support a lot of that. Yeah, the support platforms, for example, I could see them starting to become popular as well. Or yeah, to see them the, more. The D cannon I've actually looked at a bunch because it is very good at, well, I mean, maybe not very good, but better than most things at killing centurions because it's got strength 10, AP 4, and D6 damage. Ooh. Um, and it fires without line of sight so they can't hide inside a magic box. Yeah. Oh, pretty that's pretty good. Um, I like it's, that. It's definitely got some possibilities. It's not cheap. 75 points a model is a lot to ask for them, and they can be wrapped and are not particularly tough if the enemy actually gets to shoot at them. Um, but they do kill a number of the problem targets that are around these days. So What's the range on them? 24 inches. That's yeah, the biggest oh, problem. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a little low. The only but, other thing I can suggest... Um, White Scars Centurions near a bike chaplain who does the litany of add to your charge distance and consolidate. Uh huh. They have a threat range of 25 inches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not even joking. They're really, and really fast. I feel like if they go first and they advance and they use the White Scars double move to advance and move again. They are going to be in the magic box or the L-shaped piece of terrain in the center of the board, and you need to be 25 inches away from the center of the board, which is 12 inches inside your deployment zone, which in Dawn of War doesn't exist. So follow that up with turn two. They do the I advance with plus two or plus three to my advance. So four plus, let's call it a six. So 10, 12 inches. And then they can charge on 3d6, pick the two highest, and CP re-roll the lowest to make easily 90% of the time a 10-inch charge. Because mm-hmm. they're adding plus two to it as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you add all that together, and it's like, okay. If your entire army can kill five White Scars Assault Centurions that are at minus one to hit, because that only costs a CP to add, in cover, out of line of sight, more than 18 inches or so from the front of your army. Good luck. I, I don't know of anyone that can do that. Um, and I certainly struggled with it. I had basilisks double firing into centurions, and they just shrugged it off, um, mm-hmm. even in the open. I mean, they just have enough wounds to absorb a lot of fire. And if your opponent's a little lucky with those five ups, even if you're AP3, oof, um, yeah. they just bounce. So, my suggestion is we're going back to screening again. If you can build a list that the Centurions can actually successfully charge into you, but only declared targets that are within 12 inches of things that you don't really mind them punching, in a way that you can then retaliate, even though they then pile in 12 inches and fight twice. Um, if you So 
the recipe that I'm hearing is, do you have something that can punch centurions to death? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's fast yourself. So, for example, if you have white scars centurions, that's a great counter to white scars centurions. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, you need something that hits really hard in melee and can get rid of, let's call it at least three, because you can at least soften them up if you've got some indirect fire down to three guys. And then you can, you know, swoop in and pick up the spare. But mm-hmm. what does that look like for Eldar or Dark Eldar? Is there anything that can kill three Centurions reliably before they get a chance to interrupt? Uh, in close combat? Yes. Reliably? Uh, I would say you'd need to roll something like uh, re-rolling wounds grotesques in there. Or yeah, uh, a full block of them you could know, probably do it. Yeah, three Centurions of what, 100 and... Hundred uh, assault centurions, hundred sixty points. One fifty, one sixty. Uh, yes, yeah, depending on what you upgrade. Three assault with. centurions. Yeah, barely one twenty. With uh, uh, is that just with the the no hurricane bolters and flamers? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like one. Yeah, it's like one twenty. With I usually just default them with hurricane bolters, but I forget that people aren't me. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's is it thirty two with the without the hurricane and forty two with the hurricane? Yeah, well, you I have to buy them comically six, cheap. Six is like three hundred and fifty two points with, with hurricane bolters and the hurricane bolters are ten points each. So it's it's like a hundred and forty. It's way less than three fifty. Well with hurricane with, bolters. No, I, even oh, with hurricane it's way less that than is that. It's like two fifty. Crazy cheap. You guys they're, keep they're stupidly they're cheap. cheap. They're they're cheap. They're I'll cheap. find the price. Go go ahead. Yeah, but oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of irrelevant to the discussion. So yeah, I the, would I would definitely make sure that if you're trying to take them out, it's not something that you're trying to do with like a unit by itself. You know, like it's definitely something that you have to sort of commit multiple units to try and kill. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, I wouldn't absolutely. I definitely wouldn't recommend just charging with, you know, one like one unit. I would definitely try and get multiple units to go and fight one unit in terms yeah, of my yeah. Dark Eldar. Like, I would I would not send one. I'd send Drazar and the Grotesques and the unit of Talos after they they charged in and murdered whatever unit was, uh, was the screen, essentially. Mm-hmm. One of the advantages you can kind of leverage against them is even though these units are comparatively cheap, it's like 250 for a full unit of Centurions, um they tend to kind of operate independently each other because like a lot of times the centurions are leveraging buffs from a whole bunch of characters simultaneously and you can only put those buffs in one unit so the white scars will pitch that one unit of centurions forward with plus three to everything and plus four more to that and 3d6 on these and all the other um but they can only do that to one unit at a time so you'll kind of face one unit of centurions then you'll face the second one a turn or two later Assault um, Centurions are 42 points a model. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you you can fight these units one at a time by ganging up on them, as Ascari says. Um, you know, there's no reason to only charge one unit into them if you can successfully charge several units into them. But you do have to yeah. be careful of the interrupt. Yes. Now... Now another another kind of weakness of space brains that I haven't really seen a lot of people capitalize on, mostly because it's there's such a shock assault element to space brains coming oh, in your face. Oh, pun intended. <laughs> uh, is uh white especially with white scars and raven guard is with their charges and with their movement they can 
put their characters in extremely vulnerable positions. If there isn't a magic box in the middle for the characters to hide in, um, or or uh, or they need to move forward to give people buffs for like charges or whatever, uh, their characters can get isolated a lot for flyers. Um, so if you if your army has access to flyers that can hide in the back and then maybe sur- survive a turn of shooting, maybe because of threat overload, your opponent has to sh- your Iron Hands or Imperial Fist opponent has to shoot a bunch of different things and so it doesn't focus on your flyers. Um, you can go in there and you can kill Raven Guard and White Scar's characters with flyers. Like it's very very possible. It's something that used to happen to me all the time when I ran Space Marines. Uh, now obviously it, you know it's different. Um, but with White Guard and Raven Guard, that is something to consider as well. Uh, their characters are very vulnerable, so that that's another thing that you can take advantage of. Um, if your list has something like that, and that's actually something that Necrons take a really big advantage of. Uh, Necrons do have a good Space Marine matchup still. The thing I will mention, Pablo, is flyers are a double-edged sword. They can't benefit from prepared positions, and they're yeah. impossible to hide out of line of sight. So going yes. second with flyers in your list against space marine lists, most space marine lists can easily kill two flyers a turn if they can see them. Uh, so, uh, at a minimum, they'll be able to kill one. Um, so, Maybe not the Raven Garden White Scars list. Yes, yeah, if they're yeah, going full on... assault, then no. Yeah. Yes, but uh, even white scars—if they have the hurricane bolters—if they get next to a flyer, they'll just sort of put it down. They, um, they put uh, out absolutely. Yeah, they put out so many shots they will shoot down flyers with, and then with, assault the rest of your army yeah, with a lieutenant nearby. Not, I don't think they can do even like a basic T seven like normal wound flyer with a three up save. I don't think they can do it. If... Uh, turn one, because turn one, they're not in the, the tactical doctrine. Okay, yeah, if they're in tactical doctrine, they will do it. If they yes. are in the other doctrines, generally not. Yeah, but it, but that also depends. It, there's like a lot, there's a lot of factors that go into that, which is why I, I didn't say it was like this heavy thing, but just an option if you're, if it's something that, that you're maybe looking for an extra little edge against space reigns, that is just an option that you can consider. Um, also, with the if they're taking a hybrid list like what Ruben took with the Iron Hands and White Scars list, uh, the Iron Hands side, though ca- is capable of killing flyers, might not be capable of killing more than one flyer. So two flyers, maybe if you're so, playing Space Marines, like two Storm Talon or two Storm Talon equivalents, uh, something like that to snipe out characters, maybe might be something worth considering because those characters are very important. So to try and keep the topic moving along, I think we've made some great generalities on these are all the things that make Space Marines really good. Mm-hmm. Five minutes, just about Brian Pullen's list. So oh, Tau? <laughs> if we're going to talk about a list that has the tools needed to beat Space Marine, it's that Tau list. So first of all, mm-hmm. I don't know how many drones there were exactly. Something like 40. And almost like 40, 45, something if, there. If not all of them, nearly all of them were shield drones. And the shield drone is a perfectly optimized model to deal with the Marine meta. So Marines get all these buffs to the AP of their shots. So it's very un- it's very common to see a lot of AP 2, Strength 4, or 5 shooting coming out of a Marine army, especially turn 1. So if you're doing a Repulsor list, for example. And drones don't care. They don't care if you're AP 2, or 3, or 4, or 5. They just take the hit. And they have a 4-up invo, and if you're only damaged 1, they have a 5-up field and pain. It almost works out to a 3-up invo against shooting 
Um, And they protect the big stuff, of course, so you can't focus down the Riptides or Commanders in the list. Um, And even Snipers. Drones are a counter to Snipers, because even if you can target the Commander suit, he just looks out to the drones, and those take the hit anyway. So the list is very, very resilient into Marine shooting. On top of that, all of their stuff can have the fly keyword, so it's impossible to tie them up with Marines. Um, Except so for White Scar's guy. They also get the best Overwatch in the game, almost, other than maybe Iron Hands. Um, so if you're trying to Alpha Strike them with White Scars, they at least shoot you with their entire army hitting on a 5-plus before you get to dive in on, you guessed it, well, drones. Un- unless you don't, because they also have a spell that lets you ignore Overwatch. Well, well, the spell still has to go off, and on top of sure. that, in Brian's hands, you can also Monska with the list, so if the Space Marine player goes second, he can move up the board from a defensive position to an offensive one and get line of sight with the guns he needs to shoot at the important things in the Space Marine list and do a semi-alpha strike from a, a secure deployment. This is what happened against Nick Nanavati, where mm-hmm. Nick went second, he was out of line of sight, the Tau player, Brian... Montcad moved into line of sight and removed the important stuff from Nick's army turn one. Yeah. 12 plus D6 inches is a lot, especially on a tall model like a Riptide. Yeah, absolutely. And these are all really good points too, Brandon. The tower, the Tau drones, what makes them specifically geared towards beating Space Marines is that Space Marines have to devote their hyper-efficient shooting and hyper-efficient lethality to killing models designed to to remove your efficiency, your modifiers, essentially from the equation, right? Like, there's this joke that, yeah. uh, you know, I fire a supernova at your guy. Oh, Tau Shield Drone, four up in, or in once gets translated one mortal wound, I live, haha, right? It, it, mm-hmm. And there's truth to that. Um, if you are, if you are a list like, um, Tyranids or or Orcs, and I, I kind of want to circle back on Tyranids because I feel <laughs> like. Tyranid players and Gene Slayer cult players uh, have the short end of the stick here. So I want to maybe try and help them out a little with our combined efforts. Uh, obviously, none of us are expert Tyranid or Gene Slayer cult players, and the expert Gene Slayer cult players all left the faction. So a yeah. lot of you were on your own, and I'm so sorry for that. And we're going to do our best. Um, I'm sure some of you are going to go into the comments section and say, we didn't spend enough time on it. Like, I get it. Uh, it's just really hard to help that faction in particular right now, the forces of the hive mind. But. Uh, I want to circle around to orcs for a second. So we saw a list in Anthony Birdsong's list at the SoCal Open. Uh, it was essentially grot artillery spam, uh, and then they just he just spammed the good artillery that that are really good at killing space marines and flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, Smasher and then, guns. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And also and, triple uh, sagmex. Yes. Yeah. I think that's something you're going to see a lot of. I was a big fan of it even before. Uh, because obviously the Relic one is unbelievably good, but even the generic guy, when taken as Bad Moons, um, is... Or, I'm sorry, not Bad Moons, uh, Death Skulls, the one that gets rerolls on everything, um, becomes extremely, extremely good. Um, and it, it, those guys are... They're great against basically everything you're likely to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, I... I... I like the list because it has still has a lot of long range lethality built in, uh, and also those when you have that many grot guns, that many T five multi wound units is actually really hard for any army to get rid of. 
not mm-hmm. let alone Space Marines. Um, another thing that no one's talking about, and 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 now everyone's shining on White Scar or Imperial Fist, like they're especially among certain circles, like they're this like golden force of the Imperium. Um, Space Marines have a hard time still dealing with on mass T seven T eight wound good armor save bodies or or uh, chassis. Right, it, they lost their kind ability of. to they, they lost their ability to reroll wounds, except in Ultramarines. Ultramarines still have it in the seal of oath. However, it's limited, and it's limited to one vehicle in particular. And Ultramarines aren't exactly the best, most competitive faction to begin with, uh, supplement to begin with. And Imperial Fists, you're spamming T five or Strength five guns, and you do have weight of fire, but versus like a T eight or T seven vehicle, especially Mortal one wounds. that you spam. You do have mortal wounds as well. Yeah, but they're you, just you they're s- just going to do like sixty mortal wounds with their their plus ones and everything and kill but, whatever vehicle it is. But with with one unit, maybe. yeah, with one unit, yeah, right, right. But I don't think they're going to. I don't think they have the capability to kill like, for example, like six impulsors or five impulsors. Like Not technically, one turn no. Right, right. But that all you need is is one turn of of I I have a chance, right? And so I that's why I just think like. Uh... That's why I th- the concept of the like T five T six spam multi wound model spam is just something that I-, I I would maybe personally consider if I had access to that just like Anthony did in his list. Um, I think uh, something else that we have to consider is just don't forget about the mission parameters. You know, like <laughs> the the way you win the game is by playing to the mission as well. So a lot of the times, you know, especially when I'm doing like or we're coaching people to play 40k or whatever, and you go into discussing how you either play against the army or you play to the mission, right? So if you need to, like, fight the army and kill the army, you kill the army. But if you can't really do stuff like that, you have to play to the mission and basically avoid them from destroying you or winning the mission. So sacrificing units to get points or just killing little things that they give you, you know, or being very conservative. There's lots of different ways to play. And with the orc specifically, I think tractor cannons would be something that you might want to look at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what are we're going to talk about? De- Tyranny Circle after this because I do have some ideas about them. Um, but what are some good units generally, um, not specifically, uh, for playing to the mission? Brandon Cheap or, or Um Well, first of all, the the mission is just three parts. It's score secondaries, kill units, and hold objectives. So units that are good at holding objectives are just cheap. Like, you don't have to be super ridiculous space marine models to hold an objective. So all you really need is a little bit of offense in case some scouts show up, and as much resilience per point as you can get. Um, and especially infantry keywords, so you can hide out a line of sight whenever possible, and you're good. So, troops choices, anyone? Um, on top of that, if you want to do the kill, kill more, um, it helps if you don't have 15 smasher guns and 90 grots, because they're really <laughs> easy to kill. Yeah. So, I think in my game with Anthony, I got kill more every turn, going second. Um, just because they're really easy to pick up and his drop count was really high. So it meant that I had the plus one to see who goes first. Didn't matter. He still went first, but 
regardless, I think that you're heading in two different directions. So if you want to win the kill more mission, it helps to have few units. And if you want to win the hold more mission, it helps to have a lot of piddly units that you can throw on objectives and not really care about if they get killed. Mm-hmm. Now, which do you think is which do you think is better right now for this meta? If you had um, to pick going for one of those. There are some Space Marine lists that are unkillable. Um, so I would say being able to hold objectives is the way to win games. And oftentimes also the way to hold objectives is to have stuff that controls space. And the way you control space is by having an enormous hammer that has a limited range. So Assault Centurions are a great example of this. It's, you better not get closer to me or I'm going to hurt you real bad. Um... So they're really great at controlling the middle of the board because they just move advance, move advance again into the center of the board and are minus one to hit out of line of sight. And they're like, cool, you can go get that middle objective, but I'm going to jump out and punch you. Um, so I really do think that focusing on controlling midfield and controlling objectives is better than focusing on winning the Killmore game because you're not always going to be able to win the Killmore game. There's going to be matchups where, surprise, uh, this person looked up your list online and they countered it perfectly. So really the only thing you can do is focus on winning the hold more game. And even if you're focusing on winning the hold more game, you should still put things in your list to get at least one kill. Uh, because your opponent will be, chances are your opponent will be holding an objective every turn. Um, it's the, one of the yeah. easiest points to score is hold an objective. If not the easiest point to score every turn. Uh, so you do want to put something in your list to to at least kill one of your opponent's units a turn. Uh, and then you have to be resourceful about that too. So if you have the option to kill two units uh, and maybe you don't need to, maybe you save one unit for next turn because you know that you need to kill one next turn, you might not have that chance to kill a unit next turn. So little things like that. Yes. Alright, Scary Sean, did you want to add anything to that? Um... No, not really. I think that's I mean, that that's a thing to discuss all on its own. We could have a whole episode just on like kill more or hold more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely, that's definitely like just I because then there's ITC, ETC. You know, Marines are going to be oh, in yeah. every meta, right? Not just not that's just true. the ITC. Um, mm-hmm. However, if you can't hide, consider purchasing some transports so at least they have to crack open the transports before they get to your insides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do also think transports are, are something that more people should start taking now, uh, just in general. Um, but anyways, uh, I want to talk about Tyranids now. So, uh, <laughs> out of all of the armies that I've seen, I fe- other than Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Space Wolves, and Grey Knights, who, uh, I, I just, they're, they're just Space Marines, light Space Marines, and, and to be honest, they should probably just be Space Wolves running Ultramarines Tactics or... or Dark Angels running White Scars tactics. Um, and they will also get their day in the sun, I imagine, because the, the direction Space Marines are going. Um, but other than those those codexes, I feel like Tyranids, Gene Circle, and Tyranids and Gene Circle got the, the biggest shaft so far from the Space Marine meta. So the, their most dominant list in Gene Circle got shut down. Like, it, it was just a lot of top players abandoned it. I'm not saying that they, they, they can't win with Gene Circle anymore. But it, it's just it, everyone abandoned that army. All the pro players abandoned it like on mass. Like it was just it was rough, right? And on top of that, a lot of things I see out of the Tyranid Codex are things that I just I don't see doing well in a Space Marine meta. Uh, a lot of their units can get countered by general Space Marine units. 
Um, the hordes don't really help a lot, and this ditto with Gene Circle. So I've been thinking about what Gene Circle players can do. And Brandon, what do you think about them taking like three demolisher cannon tank commanders in like a uh, a renegade list, and then going from there with maybe like Gene Stealers, uh, and then cheap troops, cheap uh, obsec fearless troops, uh, and then just playing like a really cagey game. So what do you I think see. about just going full forces of the hive mind? I still think that the best approach for Gene Stealer Cult is the Muscle Beach approach. Hmm. Aberrants? Hmm. You literally take the maximum number of aberrants you're allowed to take, and you infiltrate them out of line of sight with the um, lying in wait strat. And then you're like, cool, I have the middle of the board. Um, are you going to come over here? And especially with three squads of them, yeah, they can thunderfire cannon you, but they're not going to be able to kill you as long as you're out of line of sight. And if you hold the the objectives and they have to come to you, you win. Uh, you also have enough bodies so that um, you can allow Centurions to get the charge off and then the Aberrants to show up and murder Centurions. Like, the Centurions have I to remain screened. I haven't run the math on it. Does a squad of Aberrants kill a squad of Centurions if the Centurions get the charge? Um, I've run the math on Bulgrins with one-up armor saves, and Aberrants kill about six on the charge if they're buffed. So 12 wounds? That kills three Centurions. Uh, six times three is 18. Oh, because they have three damage each. But I forgot. Aberrants do definitely damage. kill a lot of stuff. Um. However, now, the thing is, uh, that's with one-up armor saves, and unless you're Iron Hands, you don't get one-up, you get two-up armor, and two-up dies true. really fast to Aberrants. Hmm. I've also seen a point of making for the biker list, like Frankie was using. Those 45 bikes on the table take up a hell of a lot of real estate for not a very many points at all. Yeah, and, they're, and hmm. they have two wounds, minus one to hit in shooting. Uh, they're fast, so they can run up the board. I, I agree with that as well. Um, I also like the idea of of um, dipping into Astro Militarum for good shooting. Uh, I still like um, Colin's approach, Colin German from um, the uh, Best in Faction podcast, uh, where he took Gene Sitter Cult with tank commanders uh, and had some success with that too. Uh, I still like that approach, just because three tank commanders with uh, Demolisher Cannons or, or Punisher, whatever... I think Demolisher Cannons are pretty good. Well, here's um, the problem with the Demolisher. You can't be Talaran. That's true. So Which you means you don't get to outflank, you, move, shoot, you don't get move. to move and shoot. And you don't, don't get, get the Vigilus formation. Yeah. Yep. Um, they're not terrible for the Gene Sewer Cult, because they give you access to something you don't really have otherwise, which is high-quality shooting on a durable platform. Um, but in a meta where we're seeing, you know, repulsors and other heavy anti-tank platforms with long range. With strength 9 and 10. Yes. Or, and also, like, all the Chaos Knight lists. And AP running, 4 or 5. No. Yeah, triple, triple Despoiler with Thermal Cannons is going to shred those guys. Yeah, the meta is so, full of a... strength 9 and 10, AP 4 or 5, D6 damage attacks that are from long range. Because everyone's and, building to beat yeah. the repulsors. And yes. Anything so basically, that kills a repulsor kills you twice as well. That's exactly. Now, here's it. the golden. So so here's the golden question. Uh, and I understand this is this is not going to come up in every game. But if they're shooting all of that stuff at the Lehman Rust tanks, what are they shooting at the aberrants turn one when those bolters? Are in 
Yes. Just do don't vultures. forget that Single damage you know, the, re the repulsor is going to blast your tank with its main cannon, but it has 397 a strength 5 AP 2 shots also still on board that it can shoot at other things. It expected yeah, value removes 30 guardsman equivalents from 18 inches away. What's what's an aberrant stat, toughness stat line, durability stat T4, line? T4, 2 wounds, 5 up, 5 up. Yeah. So they have a 5 up, but no access to an invuln? No. No access to an oh. invuln. Yeah. They have damage they just, reduction 1. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Which is great against big guns, <laughs> but completely worthless when you're getting chewed apart by AP2 Literally AP2 bolters. bolters that are strength oh, 4 or 5 murder them. See, yeah. I thought they were T5. Nope. They feel like they they look like they should be T five. I guess not. I guess T four is like eh. Anyways, that's a conversation yeah. for another day. But okay, so and, and forgive me, Tyranid players. I'm no Tyranid Gene Circle expert at all. I'm just spitballing to try and maybe help you guys out and have a conversation about this because I know you guys are hurting and gals. Yes, I think that the reason that so many competitive players moved away from Gene Stealer Cult is that. You, as the Gene Stealer Cult player, have to play a perfect game into Space Marines. So you have to get aberrants that charge and wrap and kill a screen and then pile in out of line of sight um, and then get psychic powers off that allow them to advance and charge so that they can do the same thing the following turn. Or failing that, they need to go back into hiding and come back in again the following turn and hope you don't run out of CP to deliver those guys from Deep Strike. Um, mm -hmm. And then the nerfed so that they can't come in after turn three anymore. Um, I think that they decided, well, I can, as Nick would say, play 40k with all the cheats unlocked and just move to Space Marines, or I can continue working fairly hard uh, to get this army to work. And not saying that you can't win, you absolutely can, but it's far more mentally taxing than just, um, here's my Eliminators, I don't move them the whole game, and they shoot out of line of sight 36 inches and remove all your characters. Well, yeah. If I know my listeners, I know there's a few players out there that would rather drive their car off the freeway while listening to this podcast than buy a Space Marine army. So I know there's a couple of you, and I've made at least a few of you chuckle. Hey, uh, all of us here are still playing not Marines. That's true. Mm -hmm. I I am the oddball out. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing anyways. Um, so I, I do appreciate you you all humoring me. I, I know I know that it's hard. Um, especially for Tyranids and Jesus or Cold Players, and I know that I ask a lot of you co-hosts um, when it comes to this, in, in, just know that I'm asking these questions because other people have asked them, or other people are asking them, right? And and the unfortunate truth is, is that sometimes there is no answer to these questions that's satisfactory. Sometimes it's simply just, your army just isn't going to be good in this meta right now, uh, and you have to settle for going 4-2 and two at best. Which is unfortunate, but it is a reality. Well, I settled for going five and one. Um, actually, <laughs> oh, now's a good time here, to Brandon. talk about that game. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about your game against uh, Ruben, so, and then we'll we'll go ahead and move on. Speaking of list design, very quickly. So I said that my list was designed to make the best possible use of terrain, give me tools to deal with stealthy marines and cover. Um, but very briefly, a lot of things went wrong before the game even started. So first of all. Um, my opponent chose his deployment zone and picked one where I didn't really have good line of sight blocking terrain in my zone. Um, then he finished deploying after after me? No, he finished deploying before me. No, he had a lot of drops, and I managed to get my drop count down. Either way, he won the roll to go uh, first and went first, which was also really important. 
Um, and because of the way he deployed, um, he was able to see literally every vehicle in my deployment zone, no matter where it was. Um, so that was really painful because it meant that my Talarn traits were absolutely useless. Um, and I did actually play very well. I gave him a, a good shot, like I was moving guardsmen up the flanks of the table so that his squad of outflanking centurions came in and basically got shot off the board after killing 10 or 20 guardsmen. Um, so that felt good. And then um, I was removing cover on his Iron Hand centurions that were stealthy so that I could shoot them with battle cannons and remove them. That felt good. But regardless, his list was just so efficient. Um, it was so difficult to deal with 15 centurions because his list had something like 60 scouts in it um, to get double battalion. He had 15 centurions, two white scar squads of five and one iron hand squad, all assault, uh, quad las, uh, sniper dread, nine eliminators, a thunderfire cannon, and an assortment of characters to buff everyone. Um, and a smash captain of you can't run away from the white scars was one of them. Um, so I put up a really good fight. I felt like the whole game, my dice were against me, but I had some moments like I killed the smash captain with 20 guardsmen doing fixed bayonets. That was fun. Um, but in essence, my lesson from that game is number one, eliminators are brutal. You can't punch them to death with just 10 guardsmen because they swing enough to just remove your dudes. Um, every turn, they're just going to wipe out a squad of infantry if they have nothing better to shoot, which is actually pretty devastating because um, you really get no save. They're um, in Devastator Doctrine the whole game, so they just remove guardsmen instantly. Um, and they have the uh, Master Artisans thing, so they just never miss. Um, just brutal. Like, they just removed Strachan with six of them. It was awful. Um, so my advice, first of all, I think that um, in that matchup, I'm not sure if I need Katachan, so I'm looking into maybe I don't. And also, having a single Ogren bodyguard seems really good, because the bodyguard can actually absorb a couple shots from the um, Eliminators, especially if he has the I regen D3 wounds relic, um, and he can also go punch Eliminators to death. So if there's just one squad of Eliminators on an objective, he can just move over there and start punching them. Um, so I thought, yeah, he's nice to have. I wouldn't use him to protect the characters because he's overpriced to absorb the wounds, but oh well. Anyway, so that game in essence is why I expected to go 5-1. and one, Because if enough things go against you in a Space Marine matchup, I'm still not sure how to approach that game. Like, if I were to reset everything and replan the list, I know I'd make a few changes and I'd optimize my playstyle, but I'm not really sure what else I'd change about my list. So... You're right, Pablo. Right now it's just, okay, I'm going to do the best I can, but there's going to be some times where if enough things go against me, there's not much I can do. Hmm. So, what, I, I want to talk, this is actually something, real quick segue, and then and then we'll move on to the end of the episode, because we're hitting an hour and 20. Uh, you, you lost your first game, and as far as I can remember, I don't think you've ever lost, a, you know, the first game at a major tournament in the past couple of years, Brandon, what was your mentality after losing that first game? Uh, the same mentality I always have, which is, all right, I'm just going to keep playing as best I can. One, one game at a time. One game at a time. I was just about to say. 
Beat one you. game. You did. You did. You took it out of my <laughs> took it out of my mouth. Oh man, I, I just imagine like like me like uh, on a mic, just looking like at my worst, but pretending that I'm looking at my best, holding the mic out to Brandon, and just being like, "Mr. Grant, you suffered a huge loss at the hands of Ruben Fernandez from Florida." Well, what do you think? He's like, "Well, you know, I, I played hard. He played hard. Uh, he rolled better than me. I just gotta take it one game at a time, you know, just like every other sports interview ever." And like, yeah, to Ruben's happened. credit, he played the list really well. So I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm yeah. just, um, hmm, I'm not sure what else game. I could do better. Yeah, it was also a close game. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't like a blowout. It, the last two turns, he bonused, so that really pushed it over the edge. But until yeah. then, I was putting up a good fight, and I didn't get tabled. <laughs> good, good, good. All right. So before we move on to the Patreon questions, I have one thing I forgot to plug at the beginning of the podcast. It is probably the most important thing I'm going to say on this episode today, so please listen up. Peter, the Falcon, has finally started a Patreon account for 40kstats.com. Now, this isn't, there isn't a paywall. This isn't a vanity thing. This isn't like a money grab. It's just to help pay for some of the expenses on the website for 40kstats.com. Now, I have been absolutely helped so much by Peter's stats, and they've changed the way we look at competitive 40k and changed the way we interact with competitive 40k as a community. The 40kstats.com is a huge resource, so please take the time to go to 40kstats.com, go to his Patreon, and support. Even just a little bit, it, it helps him out a ton. I wanted to plug that in right away. It's Peter has done so much for this community, and I can't think of anyone better to receive money to help him out than him. So so please go there. Even if you have to unsubscribe from Chapter Tactics, it's okay. I forgive you. As a matter of fact, if you unsubscribe, you don't even have to do it. I'll just pretend that you went to Peter's Patreon instead. So if, if you want that little extra thing, maybe I've been bugging you or whatever, and you want to quit and say bye to me, no hard feelings. I'm just going to pretend you went to Peter's Patreon and said to support him. Joking aside, uh, please send him some some support and love. Um, he absolutely deserves it. It's it's just he's just done so much for the community. All right. So speaking of patrons, uh, at the end of every episode, uh, we like to open it up to the patrons over at our Patreon Facebook group um, to ask questions that we answer at the end of every episode. Um, so before we go into those questions, the winner. For this month's, or this last month's Patreon, is uh, Chris N. Chris N won a painted Iron Hands Pharos model. However, if he doesn't want that model, I'll have the Paint Studio whip him up a new model that he can, uh, an inventory character model uh, that he can paint up. And then also, for November, we're not going to be doing a giveaway. Uh, however, I-, I am going to be planning something huge for December, and that's why. Um, so for December, we're probably going to do something similar we did last year with the Triple X Heflamis uh infantry model giveaway we'll still probably do something like that but i want to do something extra special for the patrons this for this december um so that's that's kind of in the works so there's not going to be anything giveaway for november um now moving on to the patreon questions also if you want to support us patreon.com slash chapter tactics though go to peter's first all right so uh first facebook question uh, is uh, and I have to reload it again. Um, is goes out from Eric. Uh, what armies have been mainstays this season? What armies that have been mainstays this season should be shelved? Uh, Eldar flyers, Gene Circle, etc. Uh, I'm going to start this with obviously Gene Circle. I think, I think unfortunately, Tyranids and Gene Circle are going to get shelved. At least the Horde models, it's like Neophyte, Hy- Echo Hybrids, and the like. Yeah. Um. 
I don't, I'm not sure Eldar are necessarily ready for the shelf, but they're definitely no longer, like, one of the best lists around. Um, they're like I think the Space Marines kind of pushed almost everyone down a tier. Hmm. Uh, what about Plague Bears and Chaos Demon? They're Ford just spam? gone. Yeah. <laughs> Plague Bears aren't a list anymore. Rip. They disappeared yeah. from the meta overnight. Yeah, Rip. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy how fickle that is, eh? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, Space Marines are a hard counter to anything that relies on penalties to hit in order to stay alive, and that's all Plague Bearers had going for them, basically. Uh, next question is, are there any gotcha Space Marine strats or uh, lists that, or um, rules that are mainstays in most lists that people should be aware of? Um, yeah, the so the Chaplain with a Jump Pack gives yeah. a plus two charge to all units within six inches of him, uh, so you don't necessarily have to start on the board, uh, or within six inches of him, um, at the beginning of the turn, which a lot of the other Chaplain abilities do require you to do. So the, the Chaplain still has to start on the board, so you can't deep strike a Chaplain and use its litanies. Uh, but if that chaplain starts on the board and uses the plus two charge strat, it affects everyone within six inches. So the chaplain can potentially move from across the field in a weird spot with double raven guard move, for instance, go into the middle of the board, and then the unit that you turn one deep strike like out of a drop pod or your centurions that you master of ambush can still benefit from the plus two to charge in addition to any characters in that area too. So that's just that's one thing that, that I think a lot of people are kind of missing um, that I try to look out for another fun one is iron hands have a really cool stratagem that allows a infantry infantry unit to take wounds for a character so that doesn't yeah. stop you from picking an infantry character to take wounds from a character dreadnought at least not yet which means that you can sit there and your dreadnought that's taking half damage can be taking almost no damage while ferris takes all the damage and shrugs it off with a full plus feel no pain Yep. Mm -hmm. The I think the slap chaplain is another thing some people are maybe not aware of. You can get a space marine chaplain to the point where he is going to solo a lot of vehicles. Um, so like, don't just think of that guy as another support character. He is potentially a vehicle or character killer by himself. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing I'll mention... The other half of that litany to plus two charge is plus three to your pile in and consolidate, which oh, I think mm -hmm. is the most overpowered litany in the game by it's far. Really, really good. Uh, especially if you have the CP to fight twice with a unit of assault centurions that has declared charges on everything they can touch. Yeah. Oh, they will reach out and crush the heart of your army easily. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, anything that they declare a charge against will absolutely die. But and I agree, that's a, such a good part of that that i completely forgot to mention as well uh, and then one final thing just this isn't a gotcha list this is just something that um i i think a lot of people should take note of is space marine librarians uh, now get access to a ton of really amazing good tech for pretty much any space marine list um so kill them whenever you can they're the easiest character to kill uh they don't have an invuln save uh the phobos librarian isn't that much more durable than a regular librarian so kill them whenever you can they're super easy to kill so if you have a choice. All right. Uh, moving on to uh, Mr. Spencer wants to know, what can a player do who isn't a standard tournament player uh, to help them set up their games at a tournament, uh, having a movement tray, printing out their codexes, FAQ and RAD, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, actually, Spencer, I, I want to answer this question with uh, 
you should listen to the episode that we're putting out, the special episode with Stephen Box. My thoughts exactly. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> yeah, Brandon and Val. Uh, there, there's some great stuff, tips that you can do right now or, or the day of an event that uh, improve your cognitive function and improve your ability to perform at a higher level that can really help you out. I would definitely listen to that. Uh, it's the physical fitness and wellness episode that patrons get early access to. So I highly recommend that. Other than that, you should definitely practice putting your model from the deployment or from your your tray or wherever you're holding it to the board. And if that's not something you could do in an efficient manner, uh, change it up. That's like that's like my other tip. Yeah, I would say that the the two things that are going to make the biggest difference are a deployment tray that you're used to using. So, you know, play with it in your practice games, play with it when you're just sort of like playing outside of tournaments, and practice the missions ahead of time. You should never go in blind to the missions on a tournament. Uh, The other thing I'll mention, know what secondaries your list can do, even if you literally can't score any secondaries by removing enemy models. Yeah. All right, patron Kelsey wants to know, uh, what's in your tournament bag? What stuff do you bring to every tournament or game? Start with Scary this time. Well, in my tournament bag, I have my little tin with uh, my wound marker thingies, the little uh, wound things I'm going to use. I have the uh, all my dice for like just random dice. I've got my dice bag. I have my objective markers i've got my codex and psychic awakening and and then i have a nine inch uh, deep strike thing measuring tape and advil especially if it's a long tournament i always uh, grab that because every once in a while i get a headache coming on and i'm like i don't want that to hit me in the last round of an event Mm -hmm. um uh go ahead Uh, i was gonna say like i think Scary hits basically everything that the the major stuff. Um, I find the the, the little nine inch measuring sticks especially useful to have around. Um, but I always make sure I have a bottle of water to drink because tournament going is thirsty work. Um, and I have one of the little laser pointer measurers uh, for drawing line of sight and that sort of thing. Because I play a lot of shooting armies, and it's really useful to be able to kind of say, like, hey, I put this thing on the top of my model, and I can't touch your model with the laser pointer. I don't think you can see me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one thing I like is wound counters, wound trackers. I don't see nearly enough of them on the board, and I don't see specialized ones. I always see like dice or or other ones that can be knocked and moved over easily. So very firm. We're not moving at all. Wound counters uh, work wonders. You don't even have to use them just for wound counters. You can use them for CP, um, but just just for wound tracking, it's super critical. I also recommend the ITC terrain wound counters that you can buy on FrontlineGaming.org's website buy those they're magnetized they're super durable and they look cool and then to add to the episode that you should definitely listen to about how to play your best 40k um i always have a two liter bottle of water um snack bars preferably with nuts and a peanut butter and banana sandwich and a bottle of ibuprofen Hmm. all right Hmm? uh so uh Paige and Shannon wants to know um, what we think of Colin McDade's list at the SoCal Open. Now, for those of you who are on the panel maybe not familiar, uh, it's the Imperium list that went 5-0 and at the SoCal Open with the Blood Angels, um, 
and uh, I think he had like Iron Hands, and I think he had Dark Angels or Grey Knights. I forgot what the uh, the third faction was. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the lists on me. Um, I left my phone out I, in the house. I have it right here. Perfect. Uh, yeah, it is uh, Blood Angels, uh, Death Watch, and Death Watch. Iron that's what it was. Hand, or I'm sorry, Raven Scar, a Raven Wing. Yeah. Raven, Raven Guard. He calls them Raven Scars. <laughs> um it's an interesting list um the blood angel smash captains are still insanely good and all the more so now that they got a, a bonus plus one attack um so those guys are hitting really really hard um and the the death watch veterans with the storm shields are fairly resilient to a lot of the firepower that you see these days um so I think that's solid. I I think it's a pretty good list, although I don't think it's a list that you're going to see people like copying instantly and doing super well with all over the country. Yeah. All right. Uh, Patron Nathaniel wants to know: with Imperial Fists coming in, uh, do we see a meta where people shift to fewer vehicles or no vehicles at all? Uh, I don't think so. But what do you do? You all think? The problem is that. Oftentimes, the things that delete vehicles are also vehicles, yeah, because um, they carry the biggest guns. But I agree that um, I think that you can build very strong lists that present no vehicles as targets. And I think that the only vehicles that can survive possibly in this meta either have four up invuls, can start off the board, uh, can hide behind terrain, um, or have a character keyword. And that's it. If you're a vehicle and you're not cheap as chips, then you're a waste of time. Like anything more than a hundred points for a vehicle is kind of a waste at this point, just because the level of anti-vehicle firepower out there is going to delete you too easily. Take that, Land Raiders! You were relevant once at the beginning, at the end of August, and so now you're irrelevant again. Were I'm they, just joking. Though? You've always been relevant. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to think You're back right. to when Land Raiders were relevant to the game. And I've been playing since second, and I'm not coming up with anything. Yeah, Land Raiders and Terminators are the two things so that Space Marine players wish Terminators were good. have been relevant. I agree, oh, I agree with the patron. Have. I think that Third. you'll see a shift so that fewer vehicles without invuls are a thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh so uh, Tristan wants to know how Eldar of the Dark and Craft Worldy flavors maximize the psych. How do Eldar and Dark? Dar- how do Eldar maximize the Psychic Awakening stuff to fight Marines? Have there been any new Eldar list concepts spotted in the wild doing well? So other than what you mentioned, is there anything else in the Eldar verse that you see people trending to to do well? I think we're starting to see uh, Shining Spears uh, see a bit of a resurgence. Especially with mm-hmm. the ability to give them, you know, a two-up, re-evolvable, invulnerable save on the Exarch to keep the whole unit alive, for example, um, mm-hmm. or a plus five to charge out a deep strike, making them very resi- very efficient at getting in. So um, that's something, and then of course aspect warriors. I think, uh, but what's going to happen is we're going to need top players take the Eldar stuff and kind of concoct something new. And I think the reason we haven't really seen much is because a lot of top players have kind of jumped on the Space Marines really quickly because they are so good at what they do. And it'll take some time before we see some of them cycle back to the Eldar and really squeeze the juices out of what's available out of the Psychic Awakening book. 
All right. Uh, and then finally, uh, what? how do you think the other Astartes Paramar codices are going to be updated to be in any way comparable to Space Marine Doctrines? Um, basically, uh, the speaker just wants to know, uh, what about the other Marines? Um, I, I do know that it's possible we'll see Green Knight stuff coming up in the Psychic Awakening. They are, after all, the psychic-focused chapter. Um, I think that GW has known that Green Knights are down for a while, uh, and possibly even two years ago. So whenever the Psychic Awakening book was pitched, thrown to the playtesters, or or had the rules written for it, I imagine that Green Knights were on the minds of the GW rules writers. So I, I would hope or predict that there are some sort of buffs for Green Knights in the book in the books. Um, especially with like Black Templars coming in there too. Um, with the signs of the Black Templars being in the book that basically tells me GW is like is using the supplement to supplement some factions that have been struggling, and Black Templars certainly have been struggling. Uh especially now considering where the rest of their codex is, power level wise. Um as for Blood Angels, Dark Angels and Space Wolves, uh and Death Watch, I don't know if they're going to get anything even close to comparable i don't think so um if you take away space marines the de- the death watch and blood angels still have like not the worst power level codex wise um obviously they're not like broken top tier uh but i also don't think they're like the worst codex uh and um they just don't feel like a broken faction that needs to get like super crazy fixed so i don't know i to answer your question i, I don't know where they're where jw is going to go with those i think uh you ex- get- oh sorry go ahead no go ahead sorry i think uh you, you're gonna see a lot of the space marine uh like other space marines take units from the new space marines you know things like executioners and uh, a lot of the forge world stuff uh, seems to fit a lot of gaps like uh, chaplain dreadnoughts or four quad last cannon contempt of dreadnoughts things like that so i feel like that alone access to new units has really increased the the of uh, the, the ability to play with them and not just be a complete wash um, just because some of the units are great, even without all the crazy chapter traits and things like that, like eliminators, for example, or infiltrators. You know, those are all units that just give you tactical options in the game, not necessarily just based on your chapter traits or doctrines. Um, but other than that, I I can't wait to see what they. You know, GW has said that everybody's getting something, so we'll see what what happens with that. With a big asterisk next to everyone. Of course. Then again, (laughs) uh, my Black Templar is just going to go around murdering everybody. Um, Just saying it's the next book coming out. So, you know, zeal and and zeal and fury is what's going to hit you. Are you allowed to play with models that aren't toughness three? Yep. Yep. I've actually been playing a lot with my Black Templars lately, Mm. just so you know. And I've been having a ton of fun with that chaplain that makes everything two inches extra to charge and six inch consolidation. Oh, yes. Or pilot cleaning up in the Crazy. he's been splashing around in the kiddie pool, Sean. I Haven't have. you been watching <laughs> Scardcast? All right. All right, all right. All right. So that is it for the episode, everyone. Uh thank you so much for listening. You are all the best listeners in the world. And if you would like to get a little bit more from Scary Scary, where can they get here from you? So head on over to uh, the Scardcast blog and Patreon page at Scardcast on Patreon. And uh, it's a blog, really, so I put up a whole bunch of stuff from army list reviews all the way to the new campaign that I'm running starting on Friday, which is going to be really fun. Ooh. 
Are you gonna run Black Templar? Uh, well, I'll be I'll be playing whatever I need to play, but I'm gonna be mostly the narrator storyteller. Oh, okay. Uh, and then uh, Sean, where can they find you at? Uh, we have our own podcast, uh, In the Finest Hour. Uh, we just dropped an episode with a couple of guests on there talking about uh, gameplay and uh, your goals for the game and that sort of thing. So uh, I think it's interesting to a lot of folks. You can check us out on Facebook or Podbean, and we also have a Patreon as well. Beautiful. <laughs> and then, Brandon, is there anything you want to plug? Um, not at this time, just this podcast, and thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem, man. And then one final thing. Uh, I just want to give another shout-out to Peter once again. Quick reminder, head on over to patreon.com slash 40kstats, I think is what it is. But go to 40kstats.com, and then that's where his Patreon link will be. Uh, and consider supporting Peter the Falcon and 40kstats.com. That is all. You are all the best listeners in the world, as always. And, of course, have a good one. Bye!